Every haunted place has a story with a dark past. This is Ghost Encounters Podcast. Due to the graphic and violent things discussed on this episode, listener discretion is advised. Welcome back, all you spooky people, to the 17th episode on the second season of Ghost Encounters Podcast. I am paranormal investigator Justin Torok. And I'm Jordan, the group scientist. For those of you who have a strong fear against isolation and loneliness, this might be a super creepy and unsettling podcast episode for you because we're talking about haunted islands. Islands have long been associated with mystery, isolation, and even terror. There's something about being surrounded by water cut off from the rest of the world that makes these haunted places even scarier. Nowhere to run, nowhere to hide, and nowhere to go. From abandoned prisons, hospitals, and asylums, islands are home to some of the most chillingly haunted places on Earth. Jordan, why don't you start us off with our first haunted island? So I chose Alcatraz Island. Um, All of my research today came from the Federal Bureau of Prisons. In 1850, a presidential order was made to use the island as a United States military reservation. The California gold rush resulted in the boom of San Francisco, and the need to protect San Francisco Bay led the U.S. Army to build a fortress on top of the island in the early 1850s. The Army also made plans to install more than 100 cannons on the island, making Alcatraz the most heavily fortified military site of the West Coast. See, I never knew this. I always thought Alcatraz was always just a prison. I yeah. never knew this. Yeah, this exactly. Cool. When I was doing all this research, I was like, wow, I just thought it was like a little slummy place. <laughs> like, I didn't know that it, like at one point they wanted it to be like a military base. Yeah, either did I. With Fort Point and Lime Point, Alcatraz formed a quote-unquote triangle of defense designed to protect the entrance of the bay. The island was also the site of the first operational lighthouse on the west coast of the United States. Oh, wow. By the late 1850s, the first military prisoners were being held on the island. The idea to use Alcatraz as a military defense diminished over time since the island apparently never needed to fire its guns in battle, but its role as a prison would continue for more than 100 years. In 1909, the army tore down the fortress and left the basement level to serve as the foundation for a new military prison. From 1909 through 1911, the military prisoners on Alcatraz built the new prison. It was this prison building that later became famous as The Rock. The U.S. Army used the island for more than 80 years, from 1850 until 1933, when the island was transferred to the U.S. Department of Justice for use by the Federal Bureau of Prisons. The federal government had decided to open a maximum security, minimum privilege penitentiary to deal with the most incorrigible inmates in federal prisons and to show the law-abiding public that the federal government was serious about stopping the rampant crime of the 1920s and the 1930s. As we know, there was a lot of crime back then. Yes, we do. (laughs) Now let's get into the life at the prison. The average population was only about 260 to 275 people. The prison never once reached its capacity of 336, which I assumed that because of all the movies and everything about Alcatraz and the way it looks, I thought that it was always at max capacity and just overrun. Right, but that's that's shocking because a lot of places, especially during that time and previously, always went over capacity. Yeah, exactly. Alcatraz held less than 1% of the total federal prison population. Another thing that I was like, it's really small. 
Yeah, like, you I mean, know, compared to other places yeah, that but are, it's like... a big island. Yeah. And then, like, other places, like, in jails and stuff, they have, like, multiple levels. And I feel yeah. like this one's just, like, single little level. But, like, if you look up pictures, it looks massive. Like, it looks big. It does. Big. Like, the island's big, but I think that's because um, a lot of the workers also lived on the oh, island well, in some of those sense, houses. You know, so there was one main prison at its center, and I think it was only, like two or three is it two or th one or two levels two or three levels yeah it's not huge yeah you know many prisoners actually considered the living conditions at alcatraz to be better than other federal prisons and several inmates actually requested transfers to alcatraz due to the one man per cell setup i call bullshit you do yes i call this is coming from a government site trying to make it seem like it wasn't yeah, not yeah, we as were... bad as it was but we know these conditions weren't great yeah we were talking about this on the way over and i was like i just think it's funny i was doing my research i got a lot of research off of this said source but it was like yay everything was fine in alcatraz and then you go to like other sites and they're like alcatraz was shit like you know so i'm like yeah who's lying obviously they are like you know yeah exactly people have how do you think movies were able to make the adaptions to fit what like their sources were telling them obviously if somebody is coming from you being like yeah i used to be at alcatraz they're giving you that information obviously it's it's counterproductive yeah you know exactly if a man did not behave correctly at another institution he could be sent to alcatraz which is like what we just said like why why were they sending them to complete yeah. isolation why, why is that if it's threat? so fucking great yeah why is it a threat to be sent to alcatraz <laughs> yeah where the highly structured, monotonous daily routine was designed to teach an inmate to follow the rules and regulations. At Alcatraz, a prisoner had four rights. Food, clothing, shelter, and medical care. Everything else was a privilege that had to be earned. These privileges include working, corresponding with, and having visits from family members, access to the prison library, and recreational activities such as painting and music. Once prison officials felt a man no longer posed a threat and could follow the rules, which usually was like around five years at Alcatraz, hmm. he could then be transferred back to federal prison to finish his sentence and then be released. I feel like I never really heard about that, like ever. Like, oh yeah, I was at Alcatraz and now I'm here and yeah, you know, now really I'm free. Yeah, I never heard that either. <laughs> I mean, this sounds a little better than other prisons. Like I know, you know, Eastern State Penitentiary, like those conditions were also pretty bad. Yeah, yeah. You know, it was literally dirt floors and you were not allowed to do any activities. You were literally meant to be alone 100% of the time. Oh, it's like solitary all day. Every all day. day, every day. Wow, that sucks. Yeah. Even like if you were to like, even if you were able to get out of your cell to go outside for a bit, you did it alone. You weren't oh. with other people. Yeah. There were several well-known criminals that did time on Alcatraz, such as Al Capone, George Machine Gun Kelly, Alvin Karpis, the first public enemy number one, and Arthur Doc Barker. Most of the prisoners incarcerated were not well-known gangsters, but prisoners who refused to conform from the rules and regulations at other federal institutions, who were considered violent and dangerous, and who were considered an escape risk. Makes sense. I mean... They put them on an isolated ass island. Yeah, you can't really escape that. <laughs> there were a total of, I believe, I think 14 escape attempts from Alcatraz. Over the 29 years that the federal prison operated, 36 men, including two who have tried to escape twice, were involved in 14 separate escape attempts. Of these 23 that were caught, six were shot and killed during their escape, and two drowned. Two of the men who were caught were later executed in the gas chamber at the California State Prison at San Quentin. 
for their role in the deaths of a correctional officer during the famous May 2nd to 4th, 1946 Battle of Alcatraz escape attempt. Wow. Yeah, if you go onto this website that we can put in the show notes, it gives you all the information about all of the escape attempts and everything, and it'll tell you exactly what happened at the Battle of Alcatraz. Officially, no one ever succeeded in escaping from Alcatraz, although to this day there are five prisoners listed as, quote-unquote, missing and presumed drowned. I thought that was pretty spooky. They were never found. Yeah. So who knows? I mean, I guess it's possible that they... I think it's could possible. Have escaped. I think it's possible that they could you have. You were gotten... just telling me that two little girls just swam to Alcatraz from <laughs> like. So if they can swim over, I guess these guys could too. But I see a word coming up that might uh, say otherwise. Oh yeah, we'll talk about that. I'm so excited. Okay. One of the many myths about Alcatraz is that it is impossible to survive a swim from island to the mainland because of sharks. Mm. In fact, according to this website, there are no man-eating sharks in San Francisco's bay. Only small bottom feeding sharks. Side note, obviously. The shark expert here. <laughs> I think we can argue about this statement now, considering that there are more and more sightings of great white sharks coming into bays. Mm-hmm. This, in my opinion and in theory, can be due to them chasing prey or trying to find food that they couldn't find in the surrounding areas that they were in. But maybe it has to do with global warming, like we talked about in that other episode that we, um, what did we do? Shark attacks. Yeah, shark attacks. You know, ocean ocean acidification affects sharks. All that stuff affects sharks. So who's to say that they wouldn't go right into a bay? Exactly. If there's food there, a great way shark's going. Especially yeah. if it sees a seal, forget it. One of the main obstacles was the cold temperature that averaged around 50 to 55 degrees Fahrenheit. That's fucking cold. Yeah, that is pretty cold. Yeah. Soon. The strong currents and the distance to shore, which is at least one and a quarter miles. According to the source, a fitness guru once swam to the island pulling a rowboat, and several years ago, two, oh, it was several years ago, two 10-year-old children swam to Alcatraz. I just think that's crazy that they're 10 years old and they can swim in the currents and the cold water. You probably could have at that age. You've been swimming your whole life. You're right. Maybe I could have. But would I want to? No. No. First off, you probably can't see jack shit out there. Probably not. And it will be so spooky to just like be in the open water like that like yeah, i can I see two two destinations like but if i'm in the middle of two destinations i would probably panic because yeah. i'm like which one am i going to get to faster because who knows what's under me <laughs> like you know me i'll be like oh my god the lock that's my under me or something like make some mythical creature up right. in my head clearly if a person is well trained and conditioned it is possible to survive the cold waters and the fast currents However, for the prisoners who had no control over their diet, no weightlifting or physical training other than how they worked out on their own time in their cells, and no knowledge of high and low tides, their odds for success seem slim. Yeah, probably. You know, like, I have to agree there, you know, especially if you're rushing, you're not really trying to think, you're probably just getting out there, swimming as fast as you can. Who knows what you had to do just to get the fuck out there. Yeah, exactly. You could be exhausted, you think you could make the swim, but in reality, your body gives out. Yeah. On March 21st, 1963, Alcatraz closed after 29 years because the institution was too expensive to continue operating. An estimated three to five million dollars was needed just to restore and the maintenance work involved to keep the prison open. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah, that is a lot. Especially in the 60s. Yeah. Like, holy shit. Also, that cost did not include daily operating costs. Alcatraz was nearly three times more expensive to operate than any other federal prison. In 1959, the daily per capita cost of Alcatraz was $10.10 compared with the $3 at other locations. 
The isolation meant that everything, food, supplies, water, and fuel, had to be brought to Alcatraz by boat. For example, the island had no source of fresh water, so nearly one million gallons of water had to be taken to the island each week. That's a lot. That is a lot. <laughs> the federal government found that it was more cost-effective to build a new institution than to keep Alcatraz open. Makes sense. Yeah, I completely agree. After the prison closed, Alcatraz was basically abandoned. Many ideas were proposed for the island, but now it's a tourist attraction, as we know. Yep. In 1972, Alcatraz Island was included in the National Park Service Unit. The island opened to the public in the fall of 1973 and has become one of the most popular park service sites. More than one million visitors from around the world visit the island each year. That's crazy. So now for the fun part, the ghosts. As I was reading about this location, I read that in certain situations, inmates were sent to places known as strip cells, yes. which can be correlated to the hole. Um, before entering the strip cell, the prisoners were stripped naked, and the cell had no mattress, no sink, and no lights. The only toilet was a hole in the ground. The dark steel room was basically meant to break these people. Yeah, Which awful. is shitty, you yeah. know. So, but so, so much for those, you know, things that people yeah. should get. You're Basic just literally rights. taking it away from yeah. everyone. Let's visit cell 14D. Cell 14D is one of the cells that prisoners were sent to as punishment. Visitors often report feeling deep coldness in the room, like more than one spirit is still present there. In the 1940s, a man actually died in cell 14D. The guards found him strangled on the floor of his room. Rumor has it the night before his death, he kept screaming that the creature with glowing eyes was trying to kill him. The guards chose to ignore him. When they found him the next day, he had a terrible expression on his face and noticeable handprints around his throat. Damn. The strangulation was found to be not self-inflicted. At the time, many believed the inmate was strangled by a guard who had finally had enough of the inmate screaming. Sorry, I didn't mean to laugh, but but it, it's like it, I could imagine yeah. wanting to strangle somebody yeah, for screaming right, all night, but, but I wouldn't actually do it. No. <laughs> So when investigation was made, no one ever admitted to the strangling. Adding to the mystery, when the guards lined up the convicts the next day for a daily count, one too many convicts were lined up. I'd be crapping my pants. Oh. I'd be like, who are you? What did you his doing? spirit literally show up in the, in the yes, lineup? Yes, it did. At the end of the row appeared the recently strangled convict. As everyone watched in stunned silence, the ghostly figure vanished. Adding to this, visitors and staff often report cold spots within the hallways of D-Block. Cells 12 and 14D are the most active. Cell 14D is often reported to be almost 20 degrees colder than the rest of the cells in the block. Wow. And numerous psychics have felt emotionally charged impressions in the corner of the cells where punished prisoners were known to have crouched and suffered. It's very specific. These cells are so eerie that it's said that some park rangers refuse to go in there alone. I, <laughs> I, I would be the same way. I'd be like, screw that shit. Because what happens if, like, a door closes and you're, yeah, you're stuck fucked. in there? Yeah. On another occasion, when a renowned ghost hunter, Richard Sennett, and a psychic spent the night on Alcatraz, Richard locked himself into cell 12D, where an evil spirit is said to reside. As the steel door was closed, the ghost hunter felt icy fingers wrap around his neck while the experienced psychic had visions of the bodies of twisted and dismembered men. Oh, shit. That's creepy. Yeah. First off, I wouldn't want the psychic to be telling me what they're seeing when I'm stuck in here. Well, this dude probably almost got strangled by whatever strangled the inmate. Yeah, exactly. Now let's take a walk through cell blocks A, B, and C. 
This is where Alcatraz visitors frequently hear crying and moaning. In addition to that, a psychic reported encountering a malevolent spirit named Butcher here. A man nicknamed Butcher was assassinated here back in the 1940s. Going into that story, from a source, Legends of America, I have a quote. When a CBS news team brought in celebrity psychic Sylvia Brown, along with ex-convict Leon Thompson, Sylvia immediately encountered the unseen presence and strong impressions of violence in the laundry room. It's kind of, I feel like in movies, it's always the laundry room. Yeah, right. They'll pull like shank out of the freaking yeah. blankets and just start killing people. As she described a tall man with bald head and small beady eyes, Leon Thompson, the ex-convict, moved forward stating, I remember Butcher. He was a hitman with Murder Incorporated before they caught him. His name was Abby Maldowitz, but we called him Butcher. Another prisoner killed him here in the laundry room. That's creepy. Though. Yeah, like, wow. The she psychic knew. is saying stuff, and this guy is literally like, yeah, it's Butcher. That's crazy. That's that's insane. Prison records confirmed that Maldowitz was killed by another inmate in the laundry room area of cell block C. In cell block C, many believe that the utility passageway where convicts Bernard Coy, Joseph Kretzer, and Marvin Hubbard were killed during their escape attempt in 1946 is haunted. Loud clanging noises were often heard, but stop when the doors open, but resume once it's closed. Okay, that's creepy. Yeah. Like, imagine you're trying to debunk something, you go in to look, and then as soon as you close it, you're walking away and you hear it again? Literally fucking with you. That's crazy. Others have reported seeing apparitions of men and hearing disembodied voices at the riot site that left three prisoners dead. This place sounds really creepy. Like, yeah, I can't imagine extremely. being in there and hearing all this shit going on. Like, I know that we talk about, like, insane asylums and stuff like that, but I just feel like jails hold something different. Yeah, because they're literally housing intentionally violent and horrible people. Yeah. People also hear banjo music in the showers because Al Capone, the infamous American gangster, spent his last years in Alcatraz strumming along with the prisoner's banjo band. Due to fearing that he would get killed if he dared to play the banjo out in the open, he resolved to practice in the showers. Some say they can still hear the banjo music playing there on occasion. Okay. Imagine that. If I'm going in and I just hear, like, like, imagine. It's probably so quiet. And then all of a sudden you hear a banjo. That's so out of pocket, you know? I'd just be like, what the fuck? I'd probably run. (laughs) Probably be out. That'd be so cool. (laughs) You would say it's cool. (laughs) Lastly, in the hospital ward, park personnel often heard voices and the screams of inmates who were often secured to a table until they were calmed down. Wow. Like, I get it. People have, like, freakouts and stuff, but damn. Yeah. Do you have to, like, literally strap these people down to calm themselves <laughs> down? Voices are often heard in the old mess hall as well. So they just be hearing shit all over the place. Seriously, every inch of this prison seems to be haunted. I didn't even Some know. worse than others, but... I literally didn't even know it was haunted like this. Like, I didn't know that it actually had, like, ghost ghosts. Oh, yeah. Like, I could see, like, residual hauntings and stuff like that, but they have, like, ghosts that are just lingering there to fuck with people. Yeah, because already, I mean, these are spirits of people who were intentionally violent. Yeah. And on top of it, they weren't treated great, as we know. Like, people yeah. go into the strip cell in the hole, and, you know, it's not great. Yeah, it sounds... <laughs> Sounds so not great. <laughs> they, they, these violent people were also tormented. You're just adding to the negativity and the awfulness. Yeah. No wonder people hang out there, like, after death. Because you got all that bad energy, you know? Yeah. You're just, you had a shit end of your life. God forbid you died there. You know, where else 
are you gonna go? I would want to stay there and just fuck shit up too. Yeah. But you people suck. <laughs> this exactly. sucked. So here I am still. And uh, for all of you game players out there, Rebirth Island on Call of Duty uh, Warzone, the first Warzone, Rebirth Island is almost an exact replica of Alcatraz. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. You can literally walk around the prison. The buildings are still there. Like, it's it's not perfect, but it's pretty damn close. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, we're going to take a short break. Don't worry, we're not going to leave you stranded. And we'll be right back. The Spooky Shop is now open for Ghost Encounters merch. Visit ghost-encounters.com and click on Spooky Shop. This episode is brought to you by The Colony Meadery. If you haven't tried mead yet, it's alcohol made from honey, and it's the fastest growing alcoholic beverage in the United States. It's all natural, totally gluten-free, and delicious. And one of the best meaderies in the world is right here in the Lehigh Valley. Stop in and try a flight of meads, grab some bottles or cans to go, and experience some of the best booze in the world. They've got flavors ranging from tart and quaffable lemon laws and Wu-Tang Cran to cinnamon vanilla series of tubes and even the sweet heat of their mango habanero. Learn more at either location or at colonymeadery.com. Ghost Encounters podcast and show is sponsored by Phoenix Fire Media. Bring the heat to your online presence with their expert social media marketing, photography, and video productions. Visit phoenixfiremedia.com. If all you spooky people are enjoying the Ghost Encounters podcast, hit subscribe and give us five stars. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Ghost Encounters PA. To watch full episodes of the Ghost Encounters show, visit ghost-encounters.com. And we are back. How can we talk about haunted islands and not talk about Pavalia? Pavalia Island is just so intense and crazy. Extremely. Like, I can't imagine what those people went through, like, yeah. knowing that they were going there to die. The amount of death on this island is absurd. Yeah. For those of you who don't know, Pavalia Island is an island off the coast of Venice, Italy. And, like I said, an absurd amount of death associated with this island. It was used as a final resting place and suffering place for those who had the bubonic plague. Is this the place that the island's like made of bone? Like the like the dirt yes. is like bone? Okay. I actually have a percentage of how much. Oh of, shit, yeah, it's crazy. Oh my God. To start, just to give you all an idea about this place, I wrote a short story in the point of view of someone going to and being on Pavalia with the bubonic plague. You wrote this? Yes. Oh, oh this is gonna be good. I am delirious and weak. My body ravaged by the bubonic plague. The stench of death and despair fills my nostrils as I am carried off the boat and onto the desolate shores of Pavalia. The bleak landscape before me is filled with corpses and suffering, and I know that this is where I will take my last breath. My mind is in a fog, and I can hardly remember my own name. But one thing is clear. I am going to die alone, far away from my loved ones. As I am taken to a makeshift shelter, I can hear the groans and cries of others who have already succumbed to the disease. The fear and loneliness are overwhelming. I am placed on a makeshift bed, barely more than a pile of straw. My fever rages on, and I know that I am not long for this world. I close my eyes, hoping for a moment of peace, but the screams and moans of the dying fill my ears. As my consciousness fades, 
I see the shadows of figures moving in the darkness. I know they are the ghosts of those who have died on this cursed island. They come to collect me, to take me to the other side. And I go with them willingly, relieved that my suffering is finally over. Spooky! Spooky, spooky, spooky! Good job! Good job, Jesus! (laughs) So once a peaceful fishing village, Pavelia Island in the Venetian Lagoon of Italy has a dark and sinister past. The island was first mentioned in historical documents in the 9th century and was initially used as a quarantine station for ships arriving from the east during the 14th century. So already in the beginning of this, it's having to deal with disease because it was a quarantine shop. Yeah. You know, it was a fishing island, but eventually turned into this quarantine station. Which makes sense why they wanted to use the location because it's an island. It's far away from civilians and everything right. like that. So I can understand why they tried it's to attempt to It's a good stop before yeah. you get to the mainland. Yeah. In 1348, the bubonic plague arrived in Venice and Povelia. As the bubonic plague ravaged Europe, killing one in three people, Povelia Island became the final resting place for thousands of victims. Those who showed symptoms of the disease were shipped to the island and left to die alone in their misery. The island became known as a place of death and despair, as the infected were forced to live in terrible conditions, often without any medical care or attention. It makes sense, because no one wanted to get this. So it's literally, put you on the island, bye. Yeah. At the island center, the dead, and those too sick to protest were burned on giant pyres. It is said that more than 160,000 people died there in agony during the bubonic plague. Even today, strata of bones could be found beneath the surface, which is made up of more than 60% of human ashes. Oh my gosh. That's a lot. That is a lot. Since you know so much about like disease and things yeah. like that, what is the bubonic plague? It's a type of bacterium that like infects the body, makes it gives you like these flu-like symptoms and everything like that. So it almost sucks because of their how long ago it was. If they would have had antibiotics and like science like we have now, right. like people now, if we got this, we would be able to treat it with antibiotics because it's not viral. The like COVID nineteen is viral. You have to just wait it out. Right. So I just feel bad for these people that they just you know it's too long ago to be able to have great medical care and health care. Yeah. I mean they didn't have really anything. I mean, you know the the plague doctor mask with the long beaks. Yeah. They would. Those masks were like that for a reason. They would shove herbs and a bunch of things into that beak part of the mask so that doctors or whoever else were around people with the plague would kind of breathe in those herbs and it was acted as like a, uh, kind of like how a gas mask is used to, you know, purify the air so that you don't breathe the gas. It was used as a way to purify the air so that you weren't breathing in this plague. Yeah. Which made, like, look at, we were wearing masks around for how many years to try to prevent ourselves from getting a viral infection. They were kind of doing the same thing with a more, like, herbal medicine technique to prevent themselves from getting a viral infection. And even the plague doctors, like, they were dressed in the full gear. Yeah. If you look at pictures, they're dressed in all black. They're just head to toe. Covered. Gloves, everything. So crazy. But long after the fires were extinguished, Napoleon's military campaign relied on the island's ghostly legends and defendable position to protect stores of gunpowder and weapons. In the late 1800s, the island was transformed into an insane asylum. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, so here we go from... I didn't know this. ...dying plague victims to now an insane asylum. Oh, my God. No wonder they were insane at the insane asylum. Oh, yeah. Because they see ghosts, probably. Yeah, I... They did. 
Oh, the asylum was poorly constructed and was used as a place of exile rather than a place of rehabilitation. Great. As a lot of asylums did yeah. back then. They yeah. really just sent people to these places and said, you deal with it. We don't want it. to, yeah. yeah. Which is awful. The asylum was notorious for its inhumane treatments of patients and rumors of cruel experiments and torture were rampant. Oh my god. The patients of Pavelia's asylum reported that they saw strange shadows probably belonging to the ghosts of plague victims, and that they could not sleep at night because of the wails of suffering spirits. I so the doctors were probably thinking these people were crazier than yeah, they really were. Yeah, exactly. They're saying this, but these patients were living here, sleeping here. They're literally seeing thousands of spirits yeah. of plague victims. Many patients also died on the island, their bodies unclaimed and forgotten. That's horrible. The doctor who worked at the asylum in the 1930s would experiment on his patients, trying to find a cure for their mental illness. He would perform lobotomies and other horrific procedures on the patients, often without any anesthesia. Oh my god. Terrible. It is said that the doctor eventually went insane himself, driven mad by the horrors he inflicted on others. Eventually, he threw himself from the asylum's tall bell tower. Though the bell tower was removed decades ago, locals still claim to hear the chimes echo from the lonely island. Oh, that's creepy. Some say that his ghost still haunts the island, wandering the halls of the abandoned asylum. It's no wonder that Pavelia Island is said to be one of the most haunted places on Earth. Locals tell of strange noises, screams, and moans emitting from the island at night. Visitors have reported feeling a sense of dread and fear while on the island, and many have claimed to have seen the ghosts of plague victims and former asylum patients wandering the deserted halls. Another story tells of a group of ghost hunters who decided to spend the night on the island. As they explored the abandoned asylum, they heard strange noises and saw shadowy figures moving in the darkness. Suddenly, one of the hunters was pushed down the stairs by an unseen force, leaving him badly injured. They fled the island in terror, convinced that they had encountered an angry spirit of Pavelia. Ghost Adventures also went there. Do you remember this episode? Yeah, I do. Uh, there's that scene where Zack is literally on a boat to go to Pavalia, and he's like, you've reached your destination. Hell. Hell. <laughs> yeah, I do remember that. Um, that's when like the, the camera fell over. Um, Zack, of course, went through one of his, you know, over-exaggerated exaggerated yes, things where yeah. he thought there was a spirit inside of him. He got angry and shit. I hate but... when they go to these locations and they'll be like speaking in English. And I'm like, bro, you gotta speak in Italian. Like back in yeah. the day, they weren't speaking English. No, like these are Italian people who were on this island. I mean, there could have been other people in surrounding areas, but probably mainly Italian. Yeah, and they, they did find a lot of cool, compelling evidence they too. They did. But today, Pavalia Island is off-limits to visitors, and the Italian government has forbidden anyone from setting foot on the island, and fishermen steer clear of this cursed place. In recent years, Italian construction crews attempted to restore the former hospital building, but abruptly stopped without explanation, leaving locals to speculate that they were driven away by the island's dark forces. The only sounds that can be heard are the clashing of waves and the haunting cries of the ghosts that still call this island home. I wonder what it's ranked on those haunted places. Like, I, I wonder if I Google that. It's gotta I be know, up there. Because I was gonna say, I know Mizpah Hotel is like number one on a bunch of different sources, so I wonder where Povelia Island is. Because I feel like it's gotta be in like the top five. It has to be. It yeah. has to be. The amount of all... death and suffering yeah. on this one island is Absolute, insane. Absolutely. Personally, I would love to visit Pavalia and do an investigation. Me too. I mean, 
just for the fact that no one's allowed to go to this island. It's literally off limits. And that's terrible to say to people because I'm not off limits to nowhere. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like, I'm a rebel. <laughs> I mean, I know they say it's off limits because it's very dangerous. The buildings are falling apart and things like that. But there's got to be more to it. Yeah, absolutely. You know? and it's, and it's been off limits for a very long time. Yeah, and I want to see more people go there and do some research and investigate and everything. Yeah. I want to see what that place is all and about. And it's cool because this place, it's literally natural decay and natural vegetation overgrowth. There's no graffiti or anything like that. There's no damages caused by people. It's literally just all natural decay. Like it's, when you look at these pictures, it's something you would see in like an apocalyptic movie. Yeah. I think it would be really cool to go. Yeah. But it's just, it's crazy how much suffering and death is on this one island. Yeah. Super, super intense. Like yeah. I said before. Well, on that awful note. <laughs> that terrible note. <laughs> Let's move on to the section of the podcast for the spooky fan story. Spooky we... fan story. I always <laughs> gotta, get a, gotta get a jingle <laughs> or something going on. We'll do that for, for season three. But uh, who do we have today? So Dan and Nina sent in a very long story for us to read today. Well, that means there's a lot to it, which is going to be interesting. Yeah, it's pretty scary. Cool. I'm ready. Okay. Dan and Nina, hope you're listening. The house I grew up in was haunted. My father in the late 60s or early 70s saw an apparition and other weird things would happen. It was my grandparents' home and my father, brother, and I moved in when my mom decided she wanted a divorce. Little things would happen here and there, like the feeling of being watched, walking around in my room, seeing shadows. One night, I remember waking up terrified. I looked around the room, and sitting in a chair was this hideous, decaying-looking woman. Her eyes were pure white, and her hair was a fiery red. She motioned for me to come to her. Fuck that. Yeah, fuck that. I'd be like, fuck you, bitch. I ain't going to you. Yeah, heck no. I'll be like, sidestep out the room. Yeah. (laughs) I remember her having long fingernails, and when she motioned me to come to her, it was like a weird movement. Like, the only way I can describe it was like how actors would move in an old picture film. Trying to imagine that. I'm I'm imagining, like, choppy, choppy, jittery kind of movements, like, not smooth motions, you know? I was trying to imagine, like, I was trying, like, for some reason when I was reading this, I was like, it reminds me of that scary bitch from 13 Ghosts in the bathroom. Oh, yeah. Like, how she kind of, like, fades in, like, she kind of, like, is, like, jumpy. Yeah. It's almost, like, TV-like or something. Yeah. It's creepy. The air was thick. The last thing I recalled was my head hitting the pillow. I woke up the next day just thinking about it. I told my cousin, who was religious, and she said a prayer outside in front of the house. I got sick afterwards, and I believed it was retaliation from this thing. I couldn't swallow, so I refused to eat. My grandma noticed I was getting thinner and not eating. She prayed and sprinkled holy water on me. Oh, jeez. I would, could you imagine, like, especially if it's, like, like one of those, like, old, like, Italian grandmas right. or, like, Spanish grandmas, you know? Probably got real into that one. <laughs> I was able to eat. So she was able to eat after she got holy water sprinkled on her. Fast forward, when I was 15 years old, I started getting involved with witchcraft and occult stuff. Let me just stop right there. Why? Just why would you do that to yourself? Well, we did. But I know, but, like, when this stuff's happening to you, like, in this, like, very dramatic and very intense way. I don't. I think I would be scared to do that kind of stuff. Well, so for some people, it's more of a way to try to understand. 
good for them. <laughs> I would be be shit bricks if I saw, you know, a pure white eyed woman with fiery red hair coming to me and crickety old fingers pointing to you. Crickety old fingers. Oh my god. <laughs> All right. I was always into the paranormal. I had many books that had spells in it, and one book had summoning spells. Not a good idea. <laughs> See, I told you. Right, that's not a good idea. <laughs> my dad also bought me a spirit book. Okay, that's even a worse idea. It just gets worse and worse as you go. It was a big no-no in the house. My grandparents were really religious. I thought it was a great idea to try it out in the house. Oh, Bad idea. Yep. I used it, but nothing happened, so I continued to practice spells. At the time, my cousin would come over and play, too. Well, a couple nights later, something woke me up with growling in my ear. Ooh. I, you know what? I think it's really crazy that like she was practicing a call and summoning stuff yeah. until she brought the fucking spirit board in. Now, all of a sudden, you hear the growling and the yep. demonic shit. She's letting, she's, she opened up the door. Yep. I couldn't move, but I could feel a presence there. This happened every night at the same time. I did get the courage to open my eyes once, and standing by my bed, a black hooded shadow figure was there, just watching me. After a while, I decided to move across the street. My aunt and cousin lived across the street from us. I thought it would go away and stop. No, it followed me there. Aw, damn. The same thing would happen. Something would growl in my ear to wake me up, and I couldn't move. So it's almost it almost reminds me of like sleep paralysis, too, yeah. where she can't move. But right. also if it's every something negative. Every single night? Yeah. That doesn't happen. No. Like, my sleep paralysis isn't every night. No. So, like, I can't... It's sporadic. It's I could not, not imagine. Often. Imagine that every night. I, I would be at the hospital. <laughs> I would literally right. be at the hospital. I eventually decided to sleep on the floor in my aunt's room for a couple of nights. Well, directly across from her room was the room that was my bedroom when I lived there. I felt like something was watching me the whole time, and I knew it was pissed at me. The one night I slept in my room at my aunt's house, and I was woken up and was not able to move, and when I opened up my eyes, I saw two eyes staring down at me. It was glowing with slits like cat eyes. Oh, damn. That's... Demonic. Like, yeah, like that, it's so weird because it, like, it's sleep paralysis, but it's also super, super negative. Yeah. Like, I started to babysit during the week for my aunt who lives in the town right next to us and started to sleep over there Monday through Friday. I was happy to stay someplace out still thinking it was not going to follow me, but it did. The first night when I was trying to fall asleep in the guest bedroom, there was a light above the bed that you had to touch and it would dim on the first touch, the second touch be bright, and the third touch would turn the lights off. When I was laying in bed, the light started to act nuts and went on and off and on and off again. I noticed the air got thick, so I ran out of the room, which was smart. Yeah. Good choice. But when I closed the door behind me, I had to walk quietly in the hall because I didn't want to wake my cousin up. Imagine, you're scared as fuck and you've got to be mad quiet running away from something that could potentially be behind you. Fucking wake him up. I'd be fine. I would be fucking flipping out. I'd be banging into walls and shit. When I passed his room, I heard whispering coming from it. I assumed it was my cousin talking to himself. So I tried to listen to what he was saying, but I couldn't understand it. I fell asleep in the living room, and in the morning, I told my aunt that I think my cousin was up, and she told me he wasn't in his room last night, but was sleeping with her and my uncle the whole night. I'd be creeped oh, damn. out. Yeah. I realized that this thing was going to follow me everywhere I go, so I decided to move back to my grandparents' home when I wasn't working. One night over there, I was woken up with growling and not being able to move. My foot was sticking out of the covers. She put a little open parenthesis. 
it was summertime, <laughs> so people probably didn't think she was nuts, or they were nuts. Something with sharp nails touched my foot. Another night, could you imagine you're you're comfortable, you're sleeping, and then just something touches your foot? Yeah, and that's it's like, like your every person. You ever see horror. those memes and stuff? Like, yes. <laughs> it's the person that has their foot out of the bed. And it's like dangerous for you know the boogeyman and stuff. And then it's like if your feet are in the covers, you're safe. So yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Or yeah, I love I love the ones where like you're putting your phone charger into the wall and it's like the demon looking at you trying to put your phone yeah, charger right. in the wall. <laughs> but it's like, damn. All right, so your foot's out and all of a sudden you're getting scratched and yep. you're feeling shit. It sucks. Another night I slept downstairs because it was the coolest area in my home. I was woken up because I heard footsteps running down the stairs. I thought it was my father, but I realized my father and brother went on a camping trip for the weekend. Not being able to move, standing in the doorway, was this half-man, half-goat creature. Well, that's a devil. Yeah, that's fucking scary. It sounds like some Lemp Mansion or whatever the heck you did. Or Loftus Hall. Yeah, Loftus Loftus Hall. Hall. It kept on disappearing and reappearing until it got next to the sofa. It told me to go upstairs and that my grandmother wanted me. I ran upstairs and went where my grand... I can't imagine a a goat talking to me and being like, Your grandma wants you. I'd be like, you're lying. Oh my god, but I would run. She was sleeping. A few days later, my grandmother told me she was having reoccurring dreams about me signing a book with the devil. The activity started to get worse. I would take naps during the day to catch up on my sleep because I was not sleeping well at night. The thing would appear during the day, too. I was taking a nap, and I opened my eyes because I felt a presence, and standing by my bed was a thing pretending to be my grandfather. Its eyes were full of hate, and it was very animalistic the way it was standing, not human-like. One Saturday, my other cousin was sleeping over, and I told her about the summoning book, and we did one of the spells. Well, something turned off the fan, and we heard walking in the room where I had to plug the the fan back in. It sounded like something with hooves. Eventually, this thing started to wake me up and talk to me. Why didn't they, like, bless the house? Yeah, Hire something. a priest or yeah. something. If you believe in that, you know? Right. Because she said that her family was religious. If you're religious, do something. Yeah. I feel like you're not doing anything. <laughs> it told me it was going to kill my family and then me. That was my last straw, and I decided to get rid of the board and the book. I threw it in the garbage. That night, I was woken up with a thing telling me it was only going to come back. When I got older, I got married and moved out. Periodically, I would have dreams about the half-man, half-goat, Some of the dreams were disgusting. Later, we bought a two-bedroom condo, and things were peaceful. When I became 30, I got pregnant with my first child. Second trimester, I would sometimes sleep downstairs on the sofa because my back would hurt. That night, I was woken up and couldn't move. I could hear something jumping onto the banister and jumped onto the couch where I was sleeping. It touched my stomach. I woke up scared, thinking I hurt the baby. But my baby was okay. Well, that's that's very good. When my son was born, he would sleep in the bassinet by my bed. One night, I was laying in bed watching TV, and my son was in his bassinet. I noticed my TV was blacking out. I looked up, and he looked like he was scared and seeing something. Things here and there would happen, but nothing like what happened when I was 15. I do believe the thing is dormant. Like, she thinks that this thing is just there all the time. That's it's there, freaky. but it's not really doing anything. Yeah. Which is better than it doing something. Yeah, that's true. That is well, an intense story. That is intense. I am very sorry that you had to go through all this. I'm very sorry that you're still kind of going through it. But I'm glad that it's quiet or quieter than yeah. it was. 
I love Jeez. all the character development. She's like, yeah, yeah. I mess with spirit board. I love the spells. <laughs> and then she's like, I threw that bitch out. But the you amount know? of detail of the story yeah, is, like, is great and fascinating. Yeah, super, super, super cool yeah, story. Well, thank you for setting in this long but wonderfully creepy story. Yeah, I loved it. I love the length because then you get all that detail in there. Yeah, you know, it wasn't just one incident. It was literally happening her whole life. Her whole life. <laughs> 15 years probably. It's crazy. <laughs> wow. It is crazy. Anyone else that has any spooky stories to share, please send them in. You can email us, ghostencounterstories at gmail.com. You can message us on any of our social channels. Send them in, no matter how short or how long they are. They could be anything that has to do with creepiness or the paranormal, yeah. anything at all. I aliens. Hear. I want alien stories. I know. I'm still I'm waiting still for waiting. an alien or UFO story. I'm still waiting for aliens. And thank you all for listening. As always, please give us five stars wherever you're listening at. I see our followers, you know, growing each and every day. So thank you all and share the podcast around. We appreciate you very much. Yes. But unfortunately, this is all the time we have for today. Uh, I know I am not going to be going to any islands anytime soon. How Neither about you? Am I. I'm good no. for now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, stay spooky. Don't swim to Alcatraz. It's not worth it. Uh-huh.